Welcome to the Jesus the Game Changer podcast from Olive Tree Media, hosted by Carl Fays. In today's podcast, Carl's guest is Hashem Garrett, founder of The Forgiveness Project. His Breaking the Cycle program is a school assembly seminar that seeks to resolve conflict through honest communication and forgiveness. Hashem shares with Carl the story of his teenage years and how decisions he made then have impacted him for a lifetime. Hashim, when you were 15, uh, streets of Brooklyn, your life changed radically. Tell me what happened in that incident. Well, it, was, it seemed like a normal day. It was May 7th, 1990. I was standing on a corner with some so-called friends, kids my mom always told me not to hang out with. And um, while I'm standing on this corner, um, a kid walked past me and said nothing to me, didn't give me an odd look like he was going to do something. And he walks past me, and all of a sudden, one of my so-called friends who was standing next to me says, look out, run. And as soon as I took off and I started running, my first instinct was to look to see what am I running from, but I'm not gonna stop. And I keep running, I look over my shoulder, and when I turn, I notice this kid who walked past me is standing behind me with a submachine gun. Wow. And uh, I kept running. And I remember as I was running, looking down at my pants leg and noticing that there was a weird movement. And I remember thinking to myself, why are my pants moving like this? As soon as I thought that, um, something hard struck me in my back. I was paralyzed instantly. Um, that hard feeling I felt in my back was a bullet striking me in my spine. And as soon as I hit the ground, I remember calling to my friends going, yo, I, I got shot, I got shot. And they, one or two came back and they couldn't help me. And as soon as they left me, I was on that ground and I was scared. And I'm wondering, why can't I move my legs? Why can't I feel my legs? And I remember looking up in the sky going, God, please don't let me die. Um, and as soon as I said it, I felt the peace come over me. And the moment the words left my tongue and I said, God, please don't let me die, all of the fear left me. At, at that point, you knew you were paralyzed. I knew. I, I didn't know I was paralyzed at 15. I had no idea what the diagnosis was, but I, I knew something was wrong. So actually, let's go back in, in your life. What, okay. what was life like as a, as a young boy for you? Um, well, growing up, I would have to say overall, life was pretty good. I had some bumps in the road. Mom and my mother and father separated, which was pretty difficult, but I think the real hurdle uh, came into our lives was when my mother was in a relationship with someone else and he was, he was verbally abusive when he was under the influence of alcohol and physically abusive to her. And those were the moments that I remember hating someone. I don't remember hating anybody prior to him. And he was, you know, he was just like very, just the, the abuse. Um, it was very traumatizing um, because one minute he could be very nice and take you to the Yankees game, and then the next minute he's yelling and he's threatening you. And so, but something good came from that, and I would say this, is that when he was abusive and he would bang on our door and say, let me in, and he was in his drunken state, um, and my mother would close her door and say, I'm not letting him in because I know it's going to be arguing and fighting. I can recall being a 10-year-old, 9-year-old boy and sitting in my room and praying to God and going, God, please let him stop banging on the door. And every time I would get to the end of the prayer and I would go, in Jesus Christ's name, the banging would stop. And so as a child, just understanding that there's power in prayer. So Hashem, was church or going to church part of your life then? No, not at all. I went to church on Easter, but that was the most of it. Yeah. Most of it. Uh -huh. Gangs? Is that, is that what you, you got into as a, as a young man? I did, um, as a child. I, I, I joined a gang when I was in the sixth grade and I did it for a few reasons. One, I wanted to fit in. Uh, it seemed like uh, it was, those were the popular kids. Um, two, for protection. I, the same kids that 
were picking on me, I figured out if I befriend them, maybe they'll leave me alone. So in my 12 and 11 year old mind, I said, I'll hang out with the bully and he won't pick on me. And it worked for a while and we bullied other kids, but when there was no one else to bully, they returned to bullying me. So it didn't really work out that well. And, and those gangs were kind of in tension with others in the community, that was a part of life? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like uh, one gang versus another gang. We were the gang. We were the bad kids of the neighborhood the neighborhood and we would pick on other kids but as I got older I realized that even though we weren't we really weren't bad kids we were just all going through something so in my home it was domestic violence and some of my other friends it was you know substance abuse or lack of fathers and mothers on drugs so they all had issues and they put up a facade like we were tough but we were just kids. So Hashim, as you look back, the shooting was gang related? It was. Um, it was more to do with my friends wanting to have me killed. Um, really had nothing to do so much with gangs, you know. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, uh, there's no honor among thieves, I remember reading. I can't quote it where it's at, but, um, so it was just my friends. They didn't, they, they did not like that I was telling them no. No, I don't want to hold drugs. No, I don't want to carry a weapon. No, I don't want to hurt this person. And so as a result, they, they chose to have me, um, they tried to have me killed. Wow. You find yourself in an ambulance, right. being taken to hospital. What's it like? What's happening? Well, I'll tell you this. The first thing I remember going into the ambulance, right? Um, let me go back. As I laid on the ground, the only thing that I kept thinking about was my mother while I was laying on that ground dying. And so as the EMS workers were putting me into the ambulance, I noticed I was in and out of consciousness and I noticed they had removed my sneakers and I had brand new white socks on. And as I look down and I see these white socks, the first thought that pops into my mind is my mother's gonna be proud of me because I got on clean socks. Uh, my mother was always a stickler, is wear clean of the wear, wear clean socks because you never know what's gonna happen to you. So I'm in an ambulance and the EMS worker's talking to me and he's saying, listen, I need you to stay with me. Don't go to sleep, I'm gonna ask you some questions. All right, and he's talking. And I've got this oxygen mask on my face. And as he's asking me these questions, how old are you, O'Grady, and stay with me, don't go to sleep. All of a sudden he starts yelling and he goes, I'm losing him, I'm losing him, I can't get his BP, I'm losing him, I'm losing him. He's yelling to the driver of the ambulance. And I'm wondering, why is he yelling? Why does he sound so far away? And then I can hear my voice and my voice is going, I should have been a better person, I should have been a better person, I should have been a better person. And in an instant, it was like somebody put a vacuum underneath the ambulance because all of a sudden, something just sucked my soul out of my body. And as my soul floated out, I felt the fear come over me. That is really hard to describe, um, but my soul left my body and as it did, I felt the fear come over me and I could see inside the ambulance, I could see my body to the left and I could see the EMS worker was sitting to the right and I could see all of the equipment in the van and my soul goes down and now I can't see inside the ambulance, but literally I can see the bottom of the ambulance and I can see outside and my soul is going down and I can see the tar and the dirt and it stops. My soul stops in this dark, scary place. And the first thing I, I remember seeing is I looked to my left and it was a long, dark corridor. And I turned and looked to my right and it was a long, dark corridor. And right in front of me were these two doors. Something's telling my soul go towards the doors. And right before I'm trying to choose which door to go towards, I hear my mother's voice and she goes, I told him to take out the garbage. I told him to wash the dishes. I told him to take the movies back. And as I'm hearing her nag me and fuss, I go, mom, be quiet. I'm trying to go to sleep. I remember thinking it and my soul goes back into my body. And the EMS worker goes, I got him, I got him, keep yelling at him, keep yelling at him, I got him. And uh, that ambulance experience, uh, it changed me. Wow, that's yeah. remarkable. As you get into hospital mm. uh, and you start to realize that this is a serious condition, yeah. when, when do you know that you're not gonna get better? Um, I knew it immediately. 
I knew it once I came out of the ICU when I was in my hospital room, because I can't describe what it feels like to not be able to sustain a spinal cord injury. But um, I didn't need a medical degree to know that this is, this is bad. I can't feel anything. I can't move anything. And uh, so the doctors came in and told me, um, sorry to say, but you're going to be paralyzed for the rest of your life. And those were some of the longest and darkest days of my life. Um, 15 years old, and now I'm, 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 I'm so depressed. And all I, all I want to do is cry. And that's when I began growing my hair, and I would just twist my hair, and I would cry. And then some days I would think about revenge, but uh, those were my lowest moments. Revenge was a part of what you were thought, thinking? Oh, yeah, because I thought revenge would make me feel better. I thought, well, at least if he can feel my pain, maybe that'll be some comfort or some solace to me. Um, and it was in that moment that I realized that if I hurt him, then in essence, I'm going to hurt myself because I may seek revenge and, and I'm going to go to jail or someone's going to retaliate against me. And um, shortly thereafter, my mom started coming to the hospital and saying, Hashem, you need to read this book. And I didn't want to do it. And the book was the Bible. And I began to read it and it changed my life. What, what was it about reading it that changed your life? I was, in, I, w I was in a very low place and I needed some help. And I realized all, in, all the money in the world wasn't going to put me back together again. The pain was internal. Um, and as I began to read the Bible and I, became, I ran across all of these phenomenal stories and I said, well, God helped those people. Maybe God can help me. And then I came across the Gospels and I learned about Christ and I learned about this, um, you know, when someone harms you, you have to turn the other cheek. And, you know, the disciples asked him, well, what should you do when someone, you know, hurts you? And he said, you should forgive. And the disciples must have been like you and I. And they said, well, how many times should we forgive Christ? And he said, well, 70 times seven. And as a 15-year-old, I was doing the math. I was like, that's just a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> and um, I realized that I felt like Christ and God was speaking to me. Hashem, you have to forgive, you know? And um, maybe I wouldn't get a miracle to walk, but the real miracle was the depression that people couldn't see, you know? And um, I read about forgiveness and I said, you know what, I'm gonna forgive my mom and dad for separating and abandoning me. They didn't care about me and I, was, I had a grudge against them. I had to forgive my mother's boyfriend. I realized, well, you know, he has his own issues and I had to forgive the kid who shot me. But then the hard part was forgiving myself because I could blame my mother and father till the end of time and I could blame the kid who shot me. But at some point, I had to take ownership on, Hashim, you made those bad decisions. And that was the hard part. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. Olive Tree Media seeks to introduce people to Jesus, communicate a Christian worldview, and transform beliefs, attitudes, and lives through media. Now let's get back to the interview. So you're, you're kind of struggling with the issue of forgiveness. I mean, how did you kind of come through to the point where forgiveness was something that you were able to grasp? Well, I think for me, um, I realized that by forgiving, it was healing a part of me that the medicine couldn't fix. Um, and for me, I realized that by forgiving the shooter and forgiving the people who harmed me, gave me a different perspective. So I no longer looked at myself as the victim and go, why is poor woe is me? But then I was like, you know, I'm grateful to be alive. So that forgiveness was like a shift in the way I was looking at the world. So I no longer said, why did he try to do this to me? And, you know, I'm angry with God and angry with people. But then I became more grateful. 
Um, so I said, if God can forgive me for making those poor decisions, then I need to forgive. So uh, it was like a two-way street. So it, the, the, the whole idea of what Jesus stood for was actually very significant for you to be able to forgive. Oh, definitely, definitely. That was the first time I'd ever heard of, heard of forgiveness. I'd never heard of forgiveness prior to. Um, I grew up with the mindset, an eye for an eye. If you hurt me, then I'll hurt you. Um, but the turn the other cheek or not only just you know, someone hits you, but give them the other cheek. Um, that was just, to me, it embodied strength. I, I realized it takes more courage to forgive. It takes more courage to be nonviolent. Um, and so I always thought courage meant to be violent. And so I said, okay, I think I'm courageous enough to do this. Um, did you feel a sense of relief when that happened? When you oh, were able to forgive and let it go? I did, I did, truly. It was like a weight was lifted off of me. And um, it wasn't something that was very easy to do. Um, internally it was easy, but externally from family members and friends, that was the challenging part because so many people would look at me and go, but why are you gonna forgive? And why are you gonna let that go? And that was the challenging part. I knew it was the good, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew it was the right thing to do, but everyone else made me feel like I was an alien for wanting to do this. Um, was it a smooth kind of journey? Did you kind of just forgive and drop and that was it? Or was it a kind of, no, I should be angry, no, I should forgive? How did that work? You know, I, I, there's a famous quote that I've heard um, Dr. Martin Luther King say, forgiveness is not an occasional act, but it's a permanent attitude. So no, it wasn't something that I just did one time and um, I didn't have to do it again. I have to constantly forgive, but it's, you know, it's in those moments. Now I'm a father, <clears throat> two little children. And so if we're on vacation and my children want to go play on the beach, on the water and in, a, in the ocean, and I can't do that. In that moment, as I'm sitting on that beach, I'll go, oh, oh I can't walk. Oh. But in that moment, I have to go, but forgive. Look at how, you know, have to, my perspective has to change again and go, but look at your two healthy children. You're able to take them on vacation. And in those those moments where forgiveness comes back. And I want to teach my six-year-old daughter how to ride a bike and I can't do it. Again, forgiveness goes, Hashem, let it go. You know, be grateful for what you do have as opposed to the things that you can't do. Wow, isn't that interesting? All these years later, you're almost still dealing with the same issue. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, a, a daily journey, a daily decision. Always. And again, it's really about forgiving thyself. I have to forgive myself and I have to realize that, you know, I'm blessed. And it's about the perspective, you know, and I think that's the key about forgiveness is I have to love myself enough to go, you have more to be grateful for than you do to be angry about. And so again, I, I'm constantly saying, thank you, God. Thank you. You know, not why I mean, you know. You now go into schools and talk to uh, groups, large groups of mm -hmm. students. What do you do? Um, well, I go into schools. I'm a part of um, I'm a part of a team of people that goes into schools. It's not just myself. Um, it's an organization called Breaking the Cycle, um, and so we go into schools throughout the tri-state area. I've been abroad. I've been to England to talk to students, and we talk to them about how to resolve conflicts, but using forgiveness as a component. And so when we talk about forgiveness, we have to talk about love, because in order for you to forgive, you have to love. I, I, the kid who shot me, somewhere deep down inside, I actually love him because he's a human being like I am and I'm imperfect, he's imperfect. So we have to talk about love and then from forgiveness it leads to love and then true love is from God. And so we talk about, you know, God forgave and God, you know, sent Christ and Christ told us about forgiveness and love thy enemy, right? So it's, it's, um, 
one and the same. What, how's the response? Do they all go, that's fantastic, or do they go, that's never going to work? Well, I think they, the, for the most part, they always go, that's fantastic, and then they want to know, but how do you forgive? And, but, and then they start asking those really difficult questions. Well, how do you forgive somebody who's done this? And um, if I forgive, well, does that mean am I excusing what they've done? And how do you forgive somebody that you live with? And so then they start asking some really difficult questions. But for the most part, they never go, no, that, that's not good. You know, because everyone wants to be forgiven. And so now we're just trying to teach them how to forgive others. How do you respond to the, the issue of that lets the person off? That, that question that lots of people would ask. If, if you forgive, somehow you're letting them off scot-free. When, when you're pushed on that, how do you respond? I often say that forgiveness is about you. It's not about the other person. When you forgive someone for hurting you or saying something mean, it doesn't let them off the hook. But what you're doing is you're just releasing that grudge. You're not carrying around that bitterness. You're no longer carrying around that anger. So it's really for you. It's not for the other person. We, I, I, I still think if someone you know, harms you, you should press charges. That's what the, the, the criminal justice system is set up for. Um, but internally, you can forgive. What about the person who kills someone and commits suicide? How can you, how can you hurt them? You know, you, but you're walking around with that grudge. So it's about lifting off from that anger. It's about lifting off from that, the cancer of bitterness. Um, because when you're angry with someone else, it has a rippling effect. And now you take that anger out on people around you, including yourself. So that's where forgiveness comes. It's about you. This series is called Jesus the Game Changer. For you, how is Jesus the Game Changer? Oh, I don't know if you have enough tape for this, but um, I would have to start with the concept of loving. It's the concept of understanding how important children are in this world. It's the concept of service to one another um, and forgiveness. Um, I have to love my enemy. Um, it's, it is easy for us to love those who love us, but the true challenge is loving those who are not kind to us. Um, and so that's what the message, it's about love, it's about forgiveness, you know, and it's about realizing that I have to be an example. It's, you know, it's not necessarily about my opinion, but it's about how I live my life. And so um, I think that's what I, I, I take away with Jesus. It was about how he lived his life. You know, is what the things that he did on this earth are just as important as the things that he said while he was here. And so to me, that's important. It's about living, giving people an example to look towards. And so it's about forgiveness, it's about love, it's about children, it's about service for, for the world. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to support the radio, video and podcast ministry of Olive Tree Media, you can donate online at olivetreemedia.com.au and click on the donate button in the top right corner. We accept both tax-deductible and non-tax-deductible donations. Thanks for listening. Holy.